Welcome to the Erasing Shame podcast, season one. This podcast is about erasing shame through honest talk for healthy living, emotionally, relationally, mentally, and personally. Visit our website at erasingshame.com for links to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe on iTunes and YouTube. Now, let's have an honest talk for healthy living. Hello, welcome to another episode of Erasing Shame. This is episode number two, and we will be talking about unearthing our humanness. My name is DJ Chuang, and I'm joined by my co-host, Eunice Lee. Thank you for being here. And uh, your, audience participation, your audience participation is welcome because we are live on Facebook as we record this. So uh, last week, our first episode, we talked about some examples and types of shame and what it looks like and what it feels like. And we said that uh, sometimes it feels like uh, you should have known something and you didn't do it and it was uh, just being blindsided. So I wanna encourage you to uh, go back to erasingshame.com and listen or watch episode one. And then on episode two today, tonight, we will, uh, unpack what it means to be human and unearth a bit of that. But uh, before we go on, uh, Eunice, um, let's, let's uh, review uh, what, what is shame as we're talking about erasing shame. Yeah, thanks, DJ. Um, yeah, so we really just um, cultivated from Brene Brown's definition of, of shame to begin with. That's kind of our starting point. And she says that um, guilt, to feel guilty is to say, I feel bad and to feel shame is to say I am bad or to feel guilty is to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And to feel shame is to say, I'm sorry, I am the mistake. So it really is an internal message about all of us when it comes to shame. I think there's an added layer to that coming from an Eastern collectivist culture versus a Western culture, because I think Brene captures really beautifully what it is, what it means to feel shame in the Western context. But I think that there is a there's a difference with the Eastern context in that there is such a need for relationship and community that when we feel shame, oftentimes our community could even say, that's true, you should feel that shame. Um, so I was talking with my dad the other day about what it means to be to, to feel shame or what that word is in Korean. And he said that when you feel shame, it means at least you feel shame. You're not shameless. You have good character mm. if you feel shame. So the point of erasing shame is not to be shameless or self-centered, but it's really to help us unearth something inside of us so that we don't feel like shame is all of us. Mm. Very good. So if shame's not all of us, that's to say that we have worth and we have value mm -hmm. and we wanna bring that out. Yeah. And I also wanna point out, um, you know, as we talk about this today, that what prevents people from getting help in Asian American communities is that they don't wanna go and talk to somebody, a mental health professional about these things because they are so afraid of disgracing their family. And so that's why we're, we have this podcast so we can talk openly and have a safe space, a, a, an honest conversation about this. Um, so hopefully that these, um, the consequences of shame don't prevail throughout generations. Yeah, and how we're gonna, gonna go about that on this podcast is each episode will be taking a tour uh, around the circle of shame and looking at different aspects and different dimensions of it 
But we don't want to just stay there and look at the pain and the problem of shame. We also want to shed light on it and bring shame out of the darkness and, and give words to it and uh, be able to wrestle it to the ground so that we can bring life out of, um, out, out of uh, the shame. That's why we're erasing shame so that people can experience healthy living and healthy life. And so uh, on this episode, we really want to spend some time uh, really unpacking that. What, what is healthy living and how does shame keep us from that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that idea of, of shedding light on it because we're not, we're not getting away from shame right now, but we're just providing alternatives so that shame doesn't feel like the only choice. Yeah, because it really buries us. It, it paralyzes us. It makes us feel isolated and alone and no one understands us or people are looking uh, badly at us when it's mm-hmm. all internal, all these mind games that are just um, distorting our vision mm-hmm. and not seeing us correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how, how are we going to get started tonight? Um, I think it would be great to talk about what this this means unearthing our humanness. And I like mm. that we use the word humanness rather than humanity. Um, I don't know why it just feels more grounding mm. to me. Um, mm-hmm. So why erase shame? What is, what is it for? Why should we do that? I thought we could start by at least defining humanness and, um, mm-hmm. and DJ I'm wondering if you could start with that wonderful definition that you found. Okay. Well, as I was researching, researching humanness, I was thinking about the question, what, what does it mean to be human? And just as we're using social media and technology more and more and more, uh, there are TV shows that are starting to explore the question, what does it mean to be human? Uh, many of you may have seen Star Trek and Data as an android wanting to experience what it means to be human. And then now there's other TV shows that are uh, portraying androids uh, trying to be human, like uh, there's a show called Westworld, and um, uh, what was the other one? Extant with uh, Halle Berry has an android uh, child, and there's more coming down the pike because uh, in in Hollywood and in, in the arts world, which sometimes can be prophetic and imagine have the imagination of anticipating the future. Um, they're seeing machines with their machine learning and artificial intelligence, you know, how far can they go into becoming human? So it, it becomes a mirror to us. Well, what does it mean to be human for us as well? And, uh, how, how does that, uh, fully being human also relate to being fully healthy? So in my research, I found this, uh, gentleman named John Vanier and he won a Temple 10 Foundation Prize. Uh, which is awarded to people who excel in life's spiritual dimensions. And he defines to be fully human is the development of the heart and the head, and then we can become one, one inside of us. And becoming one inside of us, we can little by little let down the ego and the need to prove that I am better than you. And then I can begin to see in other people, other groups, other religions and other cultures that people are wonderful. And then we can come and we can work for peace together. And I think that that oneness is describing the wholeness when we're healthy and whole, then we can make our contribution to the world and we can also enjoy life. Mm 
Yeah, I really what I really like about that is that it's um, all encompassing. It's not just the best parts of us. I feel like there's so much pressure these days in society to be, to be just positive or to be just good. But even in that uh, that definition, it kind of touched on that humanness is all our good and all our bad. It's all the glorious things about us and the the, the not so great things about us that's that's put together. And so I um, I see humanness as as, as the, as, as just being able to engage in the human experience. And so mm. all of these negative emotions, um, like say anxiety, um, mm -hmm. disappointment, frustration, those are all what it means to be human as well as joy and love and fulfillment and mm. grace and all of these good things too. I think that sometimes in our efforts to um, diminish these negative emotions, like anxiety and frustration and disappointment in ourselves, we can only live halfway in there. And then the other side doesn't happen too. We don't experience that joy. We don't experience that love or that generativity or that giving. And it's because the two sides are split. So I really like that um, that definition of humanness because it's allowing both, both things to come alive in us. Mm -hmm. Well, if, if we, if we have that full spectrum of being human, the um, the faults, the failures, as well as the successes and joys, then it, it almost sounded like, well, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. But uh, shouldn't shame prompt us to um, strive or to move into the light so that we can experience more health? What's the dynamic there? Mm. Well, I think that we don't have to get rid of shame in order to grow and, 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 and find wholeness of ourselves. I think that, and I had this mentality that shame was, you have to get, you have to completely eradicate that first before you can even grow as a person. But I think that it's a relationship that happens um, to get, it happens um, at the same time. So yes, shame can propel us, a healthy sense of shame can propel us to um, want to be better. But I, I don't know, DJ, I personally believe that there is a drive in all of us to have dignity. And I mm. think that is a, a more sustainable way for us to, to want to be better and want to be more whole than being driven by shame. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, as you, you were saying that, I was thinking that uh, when shame causes us to be stuck in just shame, then then we're not getting to experience the rest of life. Yeah. And we're 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 stuck like quicksand. Yeah. And then we're sinking. Yeah. And I think shame should prompt us to uh ask for help. Mm -hmm. Which is yeah. hard to do, but that's that's exactly the kind of thing to find someone you can uh talk with that's safe mm -hmm. and to be open to having uh, help because you're yeah. stuck. Yeah. And I mean, I, even as you're talking, I'm thinking of shame as this, this cycle that perpetuates itself. I think that there are bad feelings that cause us to engage with other people or feelings of inadequacy. I think that there are times that I've taken the most risk in my life is mm. when I felt dissatisfied, um, when I felt um, not okay with where I was. But Can I you don't describe know. when that was? Um, well, when I applied to grad school, actually, it was, <laughs> I was, um, I was g-chatting with a friend who was talking about how he's graduating from um, from his from college and he already got a job at a, a big four accounting firm and and life is amazing and God is wonderful and I remember feeling like oh I don't I'm not there I'm not even close to there and I remember the time my roommate and I were like 
living in someone else's apartment because there was stuff going on with the house that we're living in. There was like, um, I think it was like some sort of um, infestation of something. And so it just was not in a place where I felt good about where I was at in life and my successes and where I was at. And so that kind of propelled me forward. I, I don't think, I think at the time the message for me was more like, I'm not where I want to be, but it wasn't, I'm not who I want to be. I think that would have been a very different conversation. I don't think that would have actually helped me grow. Hmm. But I don't know, well, as you're talking about this, I'm curious for you if there's um, elements of, of shame that have caused, you know, that you have seen growth from or that propelling. Well, there's been uh, a number of times that uh, has um, prompted me to uh, get beyond myself and to uh, ask for help and to take steps of faith and um, getting myself unstuck. Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm I'm stalling for time because I'm deciding which one to share. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, I'll just share the first one that came to mind. So uh, I. Uh, after graduating from college, I worked as an electrical engineer in Southern Maryland for about two and a half years. And during that time, I had a, a spiritual experience where I, uh, I was motivated and I wanted to um, study theology um, beyond just working as an engineer. But um, I had such a weight of shame and fear uh, in approaching my father to say that this was my uh, desire of what to do next. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I was afraid that he would disown me. And I was afraid that it would bring such shame to my family. It would fall apart. And I couldn't handle that. Mm -hmm. But I worked up the courage to um, share my desire with him. And uh, hoped he would respond positively, and uh, I was at age 25, and he he said, um, "Well, you're you're a grown-up person now, and I uh, respect your decision, and um, uh, we'll we'll go through this together." Um, so that was a big sigh of relief, and uh, the the side note is that. Uh, after our meeting, he, he calls up the seminary to ask about what are job, job prospects for theological majors? <laughs> you just want to make sure you're okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's one of the biggest um, turning points in my own life when uh, I, I didn't want to just stay the same and uh, I needed to try something uh, new and different that would challenge me to grow. Yeah. That's great that you had that experience with your dad. That was um, so different than what you expected, because I'm I'm imagining that afforded you so much more freedom to in your relationship with him and also in your relationship with yourself. Um, yeah, I, I'm thinking too about how shame sometimes keeps us from exploring who we are and figuring out who we are. Um, when I moved out here um, to California ten years ago, fresh out of college, I remember if you would ask me back then, how would you describe yourself? I'd always say, oh, I'm, you know, taller than my sister, or I'm messier than my sister, or I'm, you know, there's a lot of comparison between my sister. And so that's the only context I knew myself in. Mm. And I think shame keeps us small in that way, defining ourselves in a very small way. And um, 
so when we we get to experience a life outside of that context, we can explore and learn. And I started to have hobbies and I started to uh, learn all these these things about myself that weren't necessarily positive or negative, but which ones were true and which ones weren't. And I think that's part of humanness too. And that's part of the dignity mm-hmm. that we get to give ourselves when we step out of shame is mm-hmm. that there's um, in the same way that you, you realize that you wanted to study theology and um, that might not have been what your parents' plan was for you, um, mm-hmm. but that was something that you were able to figure out because of your engaging with your humanness. Yeah, it's been quite an adventure since then. Yeah. And uh, for, for the time that we have, we want to uh, spend it. So as we're stepping out of uh, the bondage of shame, mm-hmm. uh, we're erasing shame through honest talk for healthy living. And uh, as we're starting this journey, I think I like, I, I'm resonating with how we've used uh, the word erasing as a process. And so it's a process that as we're erasing it, we're coming into the light and we're experiencing more healthy living. Mm-hmm. So what does healthy living look like that would attract us and pull us out of the quicksand and give us the courage to do things that uh, we uh, wouldn't have thought of if we're just stuck in our shame? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, I was thinking kind of there's a lot of implications for what healthy living looks like. I think first um, it comes with what it looks like in relationships. Mm. Uh, and so I was chatting. What I love about this podcast is I'm getting all these great conversations with friends and people in my life. And um, someone was sharing with me this story about when he was growing up and he was in um, student government and he um, things weren't going well and there's some stuff with the homecoming float and all this stuff. So he went to his dad just to kind of share with him what was going on and what he was looking for was comfort. And then his dad listened and kind of digested it a little bit. And then when his mom stepped in and said, oh, what's going on? His dad turned to her and said, oh, he's just telling me about how everything he's trying right now, he just failed. And Hmm. rather than receive that comfort, he received judgment and lack of connection and criticism. And it wasn't really his dad's fault and that that's the only way he knew how to respond. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when we we talk about um, how that can be different in relationships. It's that we get to have relationships that are free of criti- criticism and free of, of trying to fix things for others. I think that's the, um, the first thing I'm thinking. And second is that kind of what we're talking about, um, we get to engage with ourselves and we get to experience our fullness and know our passions and our preferences and experience freedom. I think that shame, um, and I, I would love to hear your thoughts too, JJ, but I feel like shame is so energy consuming because Mm -hmm. we're always considering what other people are thinking about us and we're always considering how they perceive us. And Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that, that um, image management is so time consuming and energy consuming that we just don't have time to, to think about anything else. And we don't have time to make mistakes and we don't have time to explore. And so what does it look like when we live, we step outside of the bondages of shame? I think it comes with a lot of freedom and it comes with a lot of choice because now we are able to take the reins of our own self-perception and our own lives. It's not dictated by other people. And because of that, we get so much more freedom and so much more joy. Mm. That's so good. I, I'm thinking of the person who is stuck in shame and that's all they've known uh, in their life. And 
what can we say to him or her to encourage them to take that next step? I would tell them that there's there's a different way to live. Mm -hmm. hmm. I think that... Um, yeah, I think that there's, it feels like when we're stuck like that, that it's either shame or shamelessness. It's either living in darkness or in complete vulnerability, but that there's another way to be, that there's another way to live. There's another path. Um, and it requires I'm, I'm, I'm looking back at my life. Uh, a couple things that uh, helped me take some of the next steps along the way. Mm -hmm. And it very much is a journey. You don't just take one step and you're out. Um, I had a father figure that came into my life uh, during those two and a half years after college. Mm -hmm. And uh, he spent a lot of time with me. So he just let me be. It wasn't performance-based. And he would uh, show a lot of hospitality. Um, I would be over his house. I was single at the time. So I would be over his house uh, four or five times a week now. <laughs> and uh, Saturday was the traditional Binion burgers. <laughs> and uh, he, he really brought me into his family. So I had a sense of belonging and a sense of support. And when we have our uh, personal one-on-one -on -one conversations, he would uh, draw me out and say, I see more potential in you. And I think um, that gave me a picture and a vision that drew me out that, yeah, there, there was something more that I wanted out of life than just doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was spending so much of my time and energy because I'm the oldest son in a traditional Chinese family. And pretty much all my life, my mindset was, how do I be obedient and how do I do the right thing? How do I be responsible? And so all my energy was consumed that way well into my 20s that I didn't know my preferences. I didn't know my desires. I was too concerned about saving face. And I wouldn't con cause controversy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could live safely that way, but it was exhausting me. It was putting me in the shadow, and I wasn't able to shine and be the person that I was created to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine how um, reparative that experience with um, your your father figure, your mentor, your father figure was to have that care and that attention and that um, attune, attunement to you in that time. <laughs> I'm laughing because you're using some fancy words again, <laughs> but thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's. Um, what do you think of when you think of someone that exemplifies healthy living? Hmm. Let's look at some examples. Hmm. Who inspires you? That's a great question. I think for me, I've had someone in my life who's kind of a a mentor figure, a friend. Um, she's she's in her sixties, and hmm. it's some. Um, she's kind of taken me under her wing since I was 22, 23 years old and invited me over for holidays and just let me have a different experience of what it means to be family. I think what I've taken from her is not just her. I mean, there are times when she'd tell me 
you know, this is what healthiness is. This is what, you know, this is what like healthy relationships look like and healthy um, self-image. But most of it was just kind of seeing the way that she was with herself, that she was okay with herself and she was free in herself and she was free in her relationship with her spouse and her relationship with her grown kids. And um, she wasn't um, always managing. And even to the point where um, I remember there's a few times where she would, she would give me feed, pretty um, honest feedback about myself without, without being so consumed that we're, how it would impact our relationship, but really wanting me to grow and be better. And um, so I think about her, her name's Karen. Um, mm. She actually, I think, listened to the first one, the first uh, 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 podcast we did, but I just think of Karen in those times of what does it look like to be healthy? I think of her and her family and how um, for them, there's no pretense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to me, the first person I think of is her because she's not Asian American, mm -hmm. she's white. And so yeah. when it comes to the, that dynamic, it's probably different. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I dream of that too, that uh, the grass is greener on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> but um, every, every family has their unique dynamics. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, having worked and lived in multi-ethnic, multicultural contexts, um, I've seen people's humanness. It's, mm -hmm. it's just expressed differently in different cultures. Yeah. And in some, in some contexts, there's more brokenness then there is health and um, it's, it's helping me people move towards health, towards honesty that um, makes everybody better. But um, I think the common theme in both your and my examples there is that we, we got to see it and experience it. Mm -hmm. It's not something I don't think you can grow in your humanness by just reading a book or listening to a podcast. <laughs> Although we, we hope this is an, an encouragement for you to connect with uh, someone who uh, is seeking to exhibit a healthy life. Mm -hmm. And if we can encourage you along the way, you know, send us a message or send us an email and uh, we'll try to connect you with someone that, so that you can experience uh, what it's like to be fully human. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking even about the, the question that we talked about last time. Um, mm -hmm. where someone was asking, how do you, how do you, how can you be different with your children if you've grown up kind of in a shame-based environment? And um, what I'm, you know, even that question of like, or as we're talking about examples of how it, how you can't just get it from a book, right? Or get it from a podcast. We have to experience it ourselves and experience that kind of outpouring of, of grace, really, of, of something opposite of shame. Um and I think that's such a good question because I think that those moments that happen, like when we think about how shame can be transferred to our kids or to our community or to our culture, that's what motivates us to get out of shame, I believe. And that's mm -hmm. what causes us to change. Mm -hmm. um, there's so many life stages and so many transitions that we go through in which there's opportunities to get out of that shame and into, into, the, into the light, into, into being different. And I think parenthood is a big one. Um, of trying to something else off. So, yeah. Yeah. It's about relationships mm -hmm. and, and life experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think the, the, the part that we can encourage people towards is having those honest conversations, 
having those honest talks and we're, we're exemplifying that by sharing our, our own humanness to say that um, you're, you are more than your failures, that um, you have worth beyond your own imagination Mm-hmm. and um, you don't have to be perfect and you can be just by being you're a human being and we want that humanness to come out and for you to have meaningful relationships and to experience a healthy life yeah definitely I think that um, you know talking to our listeners right now definitely I, I agree that you know that you're worth it and that it will be messy and it'll be hard and um, you'll make mistakes, and that may trigger more shame. Um, but it is a process in which sometimes you'll excel, and sometimes you feel like you fall back. And we're all in that process together. And so there's community around you. So mm. you're not alone in this growth process. Wonderful. Well, let's wrap up this uh, episode. Um, thank you for uh, being with us as we talked about unearthing our humanness. And uh, it is our desire that you would experience more of the human condition with all its joys and uh, the full spectrum of emotions. And uh, the way life works is we will have the highs and we will have the valleys along the way. Uh, none of us live a perfect up life or a perfectly um, uh, terrible life, uh, hopefully. Um, and, and, um, we, um, we're, we're glad that we can be on this journey together. Thank you, Eunice, for being with me on this conversation. Thank you, DJ. And uh, as close out, uh, remind you again to visit our website, erasingshame.com, and like us on Facebook. And you can subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends on YouTube as well. We'll be back here next week. We record live on Thursdays at 7 p.m. Pacific and 11 or 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, have a great night. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.